This is Real Estate Rookie episode 253. If you haven't started yet, make sure you have solid personal finance foundations. If I, this might sound a little harsh, but if you can't quite manage your own money yet, it's a big leap and jump to think that somehow you're going to start managing this business or maybe even someone else's money, whatever it may be. So track your spending, figure out some goals, reverse engineer them personally if you haven't already done that yet. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we give you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And I want to start today's episode by shouting out someone by the username of Nick Halden 5621 uh, Nick left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and Nick said, I recently started listening to podcasts, and I really like the way you both conduct the show, the way you ask the questions, the way you share your experiences. It really gives a lot of insight and knowledge to someone like me who is planning to buy his first investment property. Keep up the good work. Nick, we appreciate you. If you're listening and haven't yet left us an honest rating and review, please do. The reviews go such a long, long way of helping us reach more folks. And our goal is to reach more people so we can help more people. Um, yeah. So Ashley Care, what is up? How I, I wish I had the book in my hand, but I, I got it you know last night. I was that. Yeah. We have it right there. So talk for a minute. Keep everyone entertained. I'm going to go get it. All right. <laughs> So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep everyone entertained while, while Ashley runs away to to go grab this. But uh, Ashley has a super special announcement. Ashley has joined the ranks of the Bigger Pockets elite because now she is officially a published author. The Real Estate Rookie: Ninety Days to Your First Investment by Ashley Care is printed in her hands and is here to be shared with the world. How are you feeling, Ash? Oh my God, it was so exciting. Uh, the book launch for pre-orders on Black Friday and the same day I got like the sample copies. So it's not even like the edited version in here yet, but it's just like marketing material. And I have 13 of these to give out to people just to like get a preview of it. And, but it was so fun that the boys and I, they, we did a video of us, the unboxing of it and stuff. And it was a lot of fun, but it still feels like surreal. So Anytime, of course, you know, I have to always agitate. So anytime I go with Daryl or I go with the kids anywhere, it's always like, oh, you only want me to come because I'm a published author now. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think they're getting really sick of it. But yeah. <laughs> all, all the fame has gone through your head now. Huh? It's like it's like whatever my kids want to watch YouTube. I'll just go and put on the Real Estate Rookie podcast. No, we don't want to watch you. <laughs> that is so funny. I don't think I've ever done that to Sean. Sean loves YouTube also, but I should just like make him subscribe to the, the Rookie channel. Yeah, yeah. Next time he has his friends over, you know, say yeah. hey, like, hey guys. guys I the perfect thing for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on. Let's watch this, this YouTube video. <laughs> you just have the the podcast playing in the car when you pick him and his friends up somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. I'm I'm super happy Thank for you. you. I know that was a, it was a long uh, journey <laughs> to get journey. from yeah to get from nothing on the page to actual book in hand. So I'm super excited for it. I, I can't wait to see how how well this book does. So Ashley Care, the published author. I am humbled <laughs> to be in your presence. And and thank you for for having such a, a lowly person like me as your co-host now because I'm I'm not yet a published author. And Tony, don't feel offended that I didn't send you one of these sample copies. My mom came over the other night and I was showing it to her, and she tried to walk out of the house, and I was like, "No, this is for events that I'm going to. I have to give them out to rookie investors." No, actually, I do have one. I have one. It's downstairs. Oh, you do? You got one? Yeah, I got oh, one. Good. It showed up yesterday. I just I forgot to bring it up to the office. Yeah, you'll have to thank Savannah then. She was <laughs> the thoughtful <laughs> one today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got we got a great episode in store for you guys today. Um, we actually have someone by the name of Malia Gutenkoff, and that name might sound familiar because uh, we interviewed Malia's sister, Grace, back on episode 161, um, and they are business partners, and we, we got to hear Grace's side of the story initially. Now we're bringing Malia back to, to hear her side, but her approach is slightly different than Grace because Grace is really focused on scale and, and getting those units, whereas Malia is coming coming from more so of like a personal finance background and real estate investing is just kind of one piece of her wealth building strategy. And she goes into what the rest of that kind of puzzle looks like and how real estate plays a role in, in, in that whole picture that she's got. 
I, I have to giggle when you said that, you know, we got her, we're, we've got this family, two sisters, we got her side of the story. So let's not bring on, it's like a Maury show like, or yeah. <laughs> and, and the lie detector test determined that was a lie. <laughs> so yeah, I love the personal finance piece that she brings to the table here and just talking about, and, you know, Tony and I harp on this, having that strong, you know, financial foundation for yourself, whether that's before you start your real estate investing journey or building that as you are investing in real estate. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller-financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent to retirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. We know and you all know why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a complete breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. So RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability and earnings. With Plaid certified tenant income and asset reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. It's time to say goodbye to that whole gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. Now, Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for only $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP Like Bigger Pockets Investor for six months of Rent Ready for only $1. Malia, welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. We are super, super excited to have you. Uh, before we started recording, we we're actually talking that you and your sister are like the first siblings that we've had on separate ep episodes. So if you can, tell us who your sister is first and then uh, kind of give us a backstory on, on who you are. Yes, for sure. So my sister is Grace Gudenkoff, and she is the real estate mogul of our family. <laughs> I am her older sister, Malia. We've got one other sister, so we're one of three girls. That's awesome. So give us a, a little bit of your backstory, Malia. Like what, uh, what have you been up to? And then what, what kind of brought you to the, the Rookie Podcast today? Yeah. So I will say as myself, as a real estate investor, I don't know a ton about real estate, I feel, and I don't care to know everything there is because I found the value in partnership with my sister, which we'll talk about. And I've been able to pursue those opportunities because of really solid personal finance foundations. So that's what I've really been up to over the past several years is building my financial education business, which is Little Miss Finance. Started as uh, a coaching business, working one-on-one -on -one with individuals. And now I'm really working um, with businesses to help uh, employees better understand their benefits at work. So 
I am a personal finance guru, now turned a little bit real estate guru, and I'm excited to chat more about all that. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into the personal finance side of things. And before we go too far like down uh, the, the rabbit hole of your story, I just want to ask one question. What are your, because you're both a real estate investor and you're in the personal finance space, um, what are your thoughts on like the, the Dave Ramsey notion of, of building wealth? I think Dave Ramsey has helped a lot of people and I read his book and learned some from him as I started out because when you're starting out, it's kind of you feel like he's the only person out there preaching personal finance until you find some of these other outlets. Uh, but I will say I have different mindsets and maybe some disagreements with methods that he teaches. So I think there's some things of value to take away from him, but I have a, a little bit of a different perspective now that I've grown in that field. And before we get any further, I just want to mention that um, we did have Grace on episode 161, if you guys want to go back and take a listen. And Grace also is a contributor of the Real Estate Rookie YouTube channel, too. So make sure you check out the YouTube channel and some of her videos. So what would be um, the first thing you would say that kind of made you realize that you wanted to get into real estate investing? Was the personal finance piece kind of first? And then it was like, okay, I want to get into real estate and pursue that. Yeah. The personal finance piece coming first for me was huge. And it's kind of what I preach on as well. And it's really what helped Grace get started in her journey too. Having really solid personal finance foundations, knowing how to be in control of what's going in and what's going out of your income, having some savings, paying down debt, and then you get into this world of investing. And I'm very into, you know, using your retirement accounts, investing in stocks and bonds. But then as you grow, you realize there's other paths to build wealth as well, which is real estate. And because I had those foundations and I had saved money and I had paid off debt, it allowed the opportunity to invest in real estate, be more flawless. It was easier to enter. And I felt like I took on a lot less risk because I had those solid foundations in personal finance. So I realized I'm investing in 401ks, IRAs, which traditionally you're not able to access that money until a long ways down the line. So kind of sifting out what are these other paths that I could build this passive stream of income. And that's where real estate really came to light. And was Grace a huge part of this as to you were watching what she was doing or was it kind of the same time? Yeah, definitely. For a rookie investor that maybe doesn't have a sister that's already investing, what would you say is one kind of piece of advice you can give them that maybe you learned on your own or figured out that they can kind of take and maybe turn into an action item to, to get started? Yeah. So I think when I, when I think about my journey as a real estate investor, and as I kind of mentioned, I'm not an investor that's trying to scale to 30 doors in a year or quit my job to do real estate full time. I'll, I'll probably never be that person. I'm using real estate as a way to uh, grow a portfolio slowly over time as just another stream of income. So for someone who might resonate with that, Definitely finding the educational tools. Obviously, Bigger Pockets has a huge resource of those. And one Bigger Pockets um, book that I really love and author is Chad Carson, because I feel like he's aligned a lot with the small but mighty, he calls it. People that aren't necessarily trying to get caught up maybe in scaling so quickly. So finding those resources. But I will say, regardless of Grace being my sister, she was a partner that I found emulated a lot of things that scared me about real estate and she picked up in those areas that I lacked. So I know for me, it's a special case scenario since it was my sister, but finding someone else out there who's investing, maybe, you know, creating a mentorship with them or coming to the table with money and partnering with them in a way, I feel like that gave me the big hump or like the big jump into real estate that I wouldn't have taken on my own. I have to completely agree with you on the recommendation of Chad Carson. And it was one of my favorite bigger pockets books. It's called Retire Early with Real Estate. Um, a phenomenal book about like how he talks about going small but mighty. Yes. Um, and I, I think it's super interesting for anyone to read, no matter what your goals are. But let's kind of go over that your goals. So you identified that you have no desire to build a huge portfolio that you know what you want and what you're trying to achieve and you're using real estate to kind of build that. Can you talk about how important it is to know what you want and then to use real estate as a tool or leverage to get you to that kind of 
destination in your life? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So many things running through my head right now. Personal finance goals in general are so crucial. Otherwise, I feel like you're always going to be standing at the bottom of a mountain, looking at the top, seeing all these things that everyone else is doing and just have no idea how to get get there. You're going to be overwhelmed into doing nothing. So creating some goals, um, whether it's saving, paying off debt or then into investing in real estate is crucial to take those goals. And I'm a big, <laughs> a big proponent of reverse engineering everything. So I was just listening to your guys' episode with Jesse Dillon. And I feel like I just wanted to like say preach every two seconds, like everything in that episode, I stand. Uh, but I'm for when it comes to any simple goals, reverse engineering things and taking th- things from, okay, I want to save 10,000 or I want to start investing in real estate. What do I need to do this month? What do I need to do this week? What do I need to do today? And it's just so much more actionable and bite-sized to take a step forward as opposed to trying to get to the end goal and being so overwhelmed going nowhere. So the concept of reverse engineering is huge no matter what goal it might be. So I, I want to talk about like the the real world application of like that reverse engineering. But before we do, um, can you just give the listeners, Malia, like what does your portfolio look like today? How many units do you currently have? Yes. So I currently have four doors, which is comprised of two duplex two duplexes bought those in April of 2021 uh all four in April of 2021 all four yep both duplexes and I partnered with my sister on those so l- let's talk about the, the reverse engineering aspect um, because you you have this like unique uh, approach uh, that, that a lot of our most of our guests probably don't take right uh, most people that we bring onto the show like yeah like their their goals to go big go fast they want to scale they want to do all these things uh, but you're looking for a more balanced approach and and obviously you have the benefit of having your sister and that partnership there but when you say reverse engineer like like what steps did you take when you made that decision to buy those four units? Like, how did that play into that plan? Like, what was the the end goal you were looking for? And how did those four duplexes kind of fit into that plan? To break it down even more, to have the opportunity to get started and invest in those four duplexes, I was reverse engineering a goal of how much do I want to save in a high yield savings account that's specified towards having real estate investing opportunities. So with my paycheck, I was investing, I was saving, I was doing all these things, but I knew I didn't know quite what I wanted to do with real estate, but I wanted to have the opportunity to do something when it arose. So that became, you know, the exercise of saying, I'm going to save $500 a month, maybe for my paycheck in the savings account that's specific to real estate. And that's what really builds up. And when this partnership and this opportunity arose, again, I didn't have to know everything. I had the opportunity with a partner who knew more and could help me along the way and help me figure it out. But I had the money to show up and say, yeah, I can be a part of this. I can bring the money to the table. So even zooming out a little bit more, that's how I kind of viewed my reverse engineering when it came to my first like real estate goals. So it, it sounds like, Malia, before you even kind of took the dive into real estate investing, you fer- focused first on your own financial picture. So you talked about your your savings goals. What were some of the other things that you felt you needed to get in order with your, with your own personal finances before taking a leap into real estate? So hot take, and I know everyone has different opinions on the concept of being debt-free before you begin investing. For me personally, it was important for me to come debt-free as one of my first goals with my personal finances before even real estate. But as I think back and I see people who have invested and got out of debt, I still believe that I personally would want to get out of debt prior to investing. Because I'll give an example. Uh, when we bought these properties, uh, we ended up, you know, we didn't take anything from it the next month that the, that cash flow is. Everyone likes to talk about these big numbers of, oh, here's your cash flow. But it's still a long-term game. So we didn't take any cash flow away because we were saving for our reserves, so on and so forth. Then we rehab something, so we were saving back up again. So it was a while till we actually took anything away from the properties. If I had been investing in the name of, oh, I want to use this to get out of debt, I think it would have just placed a lot more like stress on myself or I would have been taking the money right away and not doing like justice for reserves for the property. So one of the big things in my personal finances before investing in real estate was definitely paying off my personal debt. That is definitely a huge accomplishment right there. And just how you talk about building that foundation, I kind of went through the same thing and paying off personal debt and just kind of like refocus my life right there. And it does make it life changing. 
Um, so what's like, besides sitting down and paying off debt, what are some other like financial tips and trips to help somebody kind of build that stable foundation? Okay. So a couple of things. One, if you haven't already done this, and I know I mentioned Jesse Dillon's episode, but you guys talked about this as well. The simple concept of tracking your spending to have complete awareness of the money coming in and where your money's going helps you get your arms around your financial situation more than you ever might think. It's a perfect starting place to just get that pure awareness. From there, you can move forward and look forward to decide what you want to accomplish. And as a bigger scale, I this I was listening to a bigger pockets like back when I first got into bigger pockets, maybe in 2020. It might have been David Green or someone in it. So it's something so simple yet it was so mind-blowing to me about when you're working on, you know, maybe saving more or cutting back whatever it may be, focus on your big three expenses, housing, food, and transportation. And I think in the personal finance world, a lot of times we like to talk about if you cancel your Netflix, you'll save $10 a month or these things. And going after those little things are important and they will add up. But also these big three is what I've attributed to a lot of my success and ability to save or invest like a little bit larger scale or move the needle more than um, a different mindset might be. So Focusing on those three things as well as in your personal finance situation will move that needle a bit more and a bit quicker. I just want to I just want to share my story, and I've, I've shared this in the podcast before, but I it, it was so effective for me when I did this. Um, I asked about Dave Ramsey earlier on, Malia, and I, I feel the same as you, right? Like he he's got some stuff that I think are, are super sound. I completely disagree with his notion on on debt, but his budgeting perspective I love. And, you know, when I was in my early 20s, like I, I actually ordered Dave Ramsey used to sell on his website, like an actual um, like wallet that had a bunch of different slots to put all your cash in. And, you know, in like 2009, you could probably get away with that. But, you know, in 2020, like carrying cash is like so inconvenient. And, and you know, I want to Apple pay everything. So, I, you know, this is a couple of years ago. And I asked myself, like, how can I take the idea of the envelope system that, that Dave Ramsey uh, promotes and, and digitize it. And I said, well, what if I just open a bunch of checking accounts? So when I was still working my W2 job, the way that, uh, the way I set up my direct deposit was that I had, um, money set up through direct, through direct deposit to go into different checking accounts. So every month it would be like X dollars went into the grocery account, X dollars went into the, you know, the student loans account, X dollars went into my mortgage account, X dollars went into like groceries and, and shopping and like all these different buckets that you would typically have, but it happened on autopilot. And then I would carry one debit card. And when I wanted to spend for one of those categories, I would transfer out of groceries into the spending account. I would transfer out of the, you know, dining out into the uh, spending account. So it was a way to systematize and really control my spending without having to carry around a bunch of cash and envelopes like like Dave Ramsey would. So I just love sharing that because it was so impactful for me to really get my, my spending in control when I was looking to make that happen. I think something I take away from hearing your story is just the intentionality behind it all. And I, and a lot of people might hear it and be like, that's so much work. Well, would you rather do a little bit of extra work and have all these opportunities on the other end? Just the intentionality is everything. Cool. So Grace, let, let's, uh, let's keep moving, right? So I love the idea of getting the, the personal finances in, in order first. I think mm -hmm. that's a, that's a great place to start. Um, let, let's talk a little bit though about why you made the decision to, uh, partner as opposed to, to going after this yourself. Um, and if you can maybe give some details of how you structure that partnership to make it mutually beneficial for both you and, and your partner. Yeah. So I will say one, I feel like, and I still feel like, especially when I'm in the bigger pockets world, I'm like, I don't know everything there is to know about real estate. And I'm sure everyone would agree with that. Uh, so I feel like I didn't quite have the full comprehension, which then translated into confidence to do it on my own, which was nice things to have in a partner. And two, I was able to bring money to the table for the partnership. So if someone's looking for a partner, I would say, in my case, I was also like, I don't want to manage tenants. It literally scares me. <laughs> so if I bring money to the table and you bring management to the table or whatever it might be, that could be a good fit and a good partnership. At the time of our partnership, Grace was still pretty new in her real estate investing journey too. So it was all equal. We all brought the same money and we all took away the same equity and ownership. As it's evolved over the past year and a half and her business has grown, what we thought as roles we would all take on have shifted and the roles I personally were going to take on have shifted to other resources that her business have been able to cover. So our partnership has changed it a little bit. Um, 
in that aspect. But from the get-go, we did try to be really intentional about creating an operating agreement, which might sound like really fancy, but we're really, while everyone is in a good state of mind, trying to lay out how this is going to go, who's going to own what, who's going to do what. So much easier to try to discuss that and figure it out when everyone's in a happy headspace, a good headspace, rather than on the other end of things. Uh, So really tried to do that first and foremost, which I think is important in a partnership to have that groundwork and that structure uh, prior to getting into things and maybe things potentially going downhill. Tony and I love talking about partnerships. Uh, that was what we did our uh, presentation on at the Bigger Pockets conference. So, uh, along with having that great partnership with somebody, what are some of the like things that you recommend maybe as you're first starting out as a par- partner, and then to kind of do down the road, like, okay, maybe every quarter, every year. And do you have like, is everything written down or is some of it verbal? How are you kind of maintaining and kind of keeping, um, I don't know what the word is there, but good like standing. liability from each other. Yeah. 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 I will say some of this that I'm about to say is advice that I need to take and go <laughs> do in our partnership. Uh, I think Creating roles and responsibilities off the bat about who's good at what, that's exactly where we started. And it was written down, um, and you can use an attorney to help check you and, you know, I don't know if notarize is the right word, but all of that sort of thing. Uh, then I say down the line, it's, it's open communication is everything in real estate and relationships and all of life. So I think revisiting, uh, where everyone's at again, don't wait until something goes wrong and everything starts going downhill to start airing, you know, maybe all of your thoughts or frustrations or whatever be the upkeep that you can do checking in on where everyone's standing. And that's really where Grace and I got to is everything's been great, but I felt like, Oh, things have changed. I'm not doing this. So like, how can we kind of reorganize the partnership so it's still fair for everyone? So I think that maybe quarterly, like you said, a couple times a year, when you're in a good headspace, it's so much easier to discuss and revise as you may wish than on the back end when things are already tumbling downhill. Yeah, Malia, I, I love the idea of revisiting the structure because just like you said, when when you enter into a partnership, especially a, a new partnership, there are a lot of assumptions that are made around who's going to do what and how the workload may be balanced and mm-hmm. who takes on what responsibilities. But once the rubber hits the road and you actually start doing the thing, the the reality doesn't always quite match up with your initial expectations. And if if an if a if a business partnership goes unbalanced for too long, that is the recipe for disaster. So it is super important to make sure that both partners, A, have clarity at the beginning around what they feel that partnership should look like, but also have an understanding that maybe what we're agreeing on today might not make sense six months from now or a year from now or two years from now. And we both need to be willing to come back to the table and have a discussion around what's fair and what isn't. So one of the things that we started adding into our partnerships with, uh, with other investors is uh, an end term. So every new partnership that we enter into under the, the joint venture agreement that we sign, it lasts for a predetermined period of time. And the only way that that partnership will continue to exist is if both partners agree to extend that partnership. So there's a natural end date just in case for whatever reason we can't come to an agreement on what's fair and and, and uh, reasonable for both parties. Yeah, that's so good. I was just going to say the same thing. If you're uncomfortable maybe with bringing up the conversation on your own down the line, add that as part of your agreement from the get-go. So that end date or even just we will check in every so often because in Grace and I's situation, we were both kind of new to it. We were creating these roles and responsibilities, but at the end of the day, like we were still new to it. We didn't really know what we were doing. So it's important to kind of create that structure and those expectations on the front end to just avoid any miscommunication or downfall. So Malia, at this point, would you say that you're completely passive on those four units? Yes. So that's exactly where I've transitioned to. The things that I thought I was going to be able to bring to the table haven't so much. I have helped paint and do some rehab and stuff, but I've realized as a real estate investor and as a partner, I through and through want to be someone who can bring money to the table, partner up with someone who will manage to do all the other things and be truly more of that passive real estate investor. So yeah. Are you going to, do you plan on doing any more partnerships at all? Besides uh, just with Grace, kind of building on and using that as a tool to build your small but mighty portfolio. I foresee myself, unless I was to purchase uh, 
my own home and do a house hack or something like that. I th- believe that my journey in investing in real estate will continue to be partnerships that I will bring the money and be that passive person. Most likely with Grace, just because it's worked and we work well together, all of those things. But as, you know, income levels increase, savings levels increase, I've already, uh, you know, had opportunities with family members who are looking almost to me maybe as like a hard money lender or something like that. So I've seen the opportunities. Perhaps they'll be there down the line and I'm open to it if it feels right. But I definitely continue to partner in several ways down the line. Malia, so one, one follow-up question. It seems like you're leaning towards partnering with folks that you already know. Um, but let's say that you know you were maybe approached by someone that wasn't already in your circle, and they know that you like playing the role of passive investor. You have the funds or the balance sheet. What kind of things would you be looking for to say, okay, this is the kind of person I want to partner with? Well, that's a really good question that I haven't thought too thoroughly about. But obviously, someone who has a track record of being a good landlord or, you know, real estate investor on their own, the numbers or everything. But I think someone that it's hard because I have worked with people I know. So I know all the soft sides, the soft skills of everything that is going to work well. Um, so I think I would want to see just a little bit of a track record that, um, they've been able to successfully invest on their own before. And they're just looking for someone to put up some money to, for them to continue to do that. Yeah, I think it does definitely get tricky when you uh, when you start working with the folks that you don't have as much experience with. And again, that's why we like the idea of having that that timeline around like, okay, yeah. here's how long that partnership lasts for. Because sometimes you pick the wrong person. They might seem great up front. Um, then you actually start working with them and you, you maybe see a different side. So it's always good to have have that out if you need it. For sure. Yeah. Malia, I want to I want to transition just a little bit. So um, obviously you come from more of a personal finance uh, background versus real estate. What are maybe some of the the negatives of real estate investing that that you're not super fond of that you kind of like the stocks and the other types of investing more than than real estate? Oh, everyone loves to say and the shiny object syndrome of real estate is this like passive income stream, right? And so we all think we're going to start investing in real estate to have this monthly cash flow and you're not doing anything when we all do know deep down that it is a little bit more than that. So that's my biggest downfall and why I really love to pair, you know, investing in retirement accounts, investing in stocks and bonds with real estate is it truly is passive. You you are automating things. You can put it in the account every month and there's really little to no maintenance. I probably spend a, an hour or less a year on my investment accounts. So that's the major downfall that comes to my head right away is just, and like I said, I'm scared of tenants. I don't want to do all that, which has led me to kind of that passive partner. Um, is that just not so passive, but there are several different upsides that, you know, when you compare it to the, to the stocks and bonds and retirement accounts that make it them pair so well together as an investment strategy. So I think there's probably a lot of real estate investors listening to this episode and like agreeing with you on some of the nicer things of investing in <laughs> stocks that things you don't have to deal with. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think everyone can relate a little bit to that. Um, what about the people that say though, that, well, real estate, you're in more control when you're investing in the stock market, you know, it's a CEO, it's a board of directors when you're investing into their company really that have control of that asset. So what's your opinion on that? So I do agree when you're investing in real estate, you're in more control. You can scale quicker. You can really often access the funds quicker and it can often allow you to retire earlier than this traditional route of investing in a 401k that, Traditionally, you're not able to touch until 59 and a half. Uh, but to that, I just think having both of them together creates such diversity and like a solid investment platform. So it's not something that I look into too much. I feel like there's a track record also in the stock market of having success. So I, I don't know. If someone said that to me, I probably wouldn't really argue. I would just say, okay. <laughs> Malia, are you, are you an index fund? Isn't that what you buy? You buy index funds? Yeah, that's you. That really the only stocks that I invest in are index funds. Yeah, me too. Team index fund, and yeah. I think that if someone's listening and is like, "Oh, investing in stocks is so complicated," I'm a basic financial literacy gal, so I only invest in index funds, and that's often what I try to educate people on. It's the perfect route to go. Yeah. 
Can, can you can you just define index funds uh, for folks that aren't familiar with it? So an index fund, you can think you could buy a single stock like Apple, or you could buy basically a basket of stocks. So an index fund we talk about a lot is the S&P 500 index fund. That's just the list of the 500 biggest companies all being in that basket that you can purchase. Yeah. So instead of trying to like pick the right stock and you know time the market and do all these other things, you're just going to put a little bit in every single bucket and then you, you kind of get the ups and downs balance out, hopefully to still give you a net positive. Yeah. Yeah. In my investment journey, I'm a long-term investor. I'm not a day trader or any sort of thing. I don't invest in crypto. Uh, a long-term buy and hold, you know, just like probably my real estate journey, buy and hold for the long-term um, and keep that zoomed out perspective. <laughs> We know, and you all know, why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a complete breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. So RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability and earnings. With Plaid certified tenant income and asset reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. It's time to say goodbye to that whole gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with RentReady. Now, RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering the six-month plan for only $1. Visit RentReady.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP Like Bigger Pockets Investor for six months of rent ready for only one dollar. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Malia, I think it's interesting because you know you, you, you said you started this journey a, a few years ago, and that would put you like in your earlier twenties. I feel like most people, you know, in their early to mid twenties, aren't quite thinking about index funds and you know, like like building wealth long term. Um, what do you feel kind of sparked that in you, and where do you see other people who are in that same you know demographic those those early to mid twenties? Where do you see them making mistakes? Hmm. So for me, like the fire lit inside of me when I was a senior in college and I went to free online or not free online. This is before COVID in person. There was financial literacy classes on campus. And I was just like, wow, you know, that's a part of life that's going to be part of my life for forever. Yet we're not talking about it. I didn't really grow up talking about it at home. I wasn't talking about it with my friends. And I was just like kind of mind blown. I was like, wow, this is really important. So that's what like just got me passionate about learning all of this stuff. And it was prior to having a job and earning money. So I really took the education and then put it into practice and quickly realized 
by this like, you know, solid foundation education, the decisions I was making were really like kind of adding up quick and propelling me forward a lot quicker than I would have expected. Um, so that's kind of where my journey started and why I got passionate about it, because it also provides so much opportunity. When you have a solid financial foundation, I was able to start investing in real estate. I eventually left my job to create a business out of it. It just provided opportunity and like me to make a choice. And I feel like a lot of people, when they're younger, we just all fall into this YOLO state of mind. And since we're not talking about it, we think that everyone just lives this way, maybe with credit card debt, paying off their student loans for the next 20 years, whatever it is, because it's not being talked about. So how are we supposed to know? Like, that's so valid. (laughs) Um, But I think when I can get in front of young people, especially, and tell them, I'm so passionate about young people because you're shaping the trajectory of your financial life, like right now. In a couple years, a couple decisions can make that trajectory so much different. Uh, So for young people, I would just encourage them to better understand what, you know, investing a hundred bucks a month, what that could truly be over the long term and taking that bigger zoomed out perspective as opposed to just like YOLO today or this year, whatever it may be. Malia, one, one follow up question. So when you, when you went to that financial literacy class as a, as a senior in high school, like what were some of the topics they were talking about? Was it just like, Hey, here's what the stock market is, or here's what it means to have a a 401. Like, what what was like, what did you hear that was like, Oh man, this is everyone should be talking about this. I, I I feel like so privileged in hindsight. And this was, I was a senior in college and the guy, he was just passionate about it as well. So he really had like two classes, if you will. One was investing one on one and one was the world of money. So we were talking about buying a car, credit card debt, buying a home, just all of these decisions and what they mean down the line. And then investing, he was really educating. Here's how you can use these um, retirement accounts, 401ks, IRAs, invest in index funds. Here's how you can actually understand it on your own and do it on your own as opposed to maybe thinking you need a financial advisor, all this sort of thing. So he really covered it all. It was several weeks. Each class was like 10 weeks and it was like probably 90 minutes a night. I always laugh looking back because my friends, I was a senior in college. They were like, let's go out. Let's go to social house. And I'm like, sorry, I can't. They're like, oh yeah, Malia has her money class. And they would make fun of me. I'm like, this is important to me. Okay. (laughs) So yeah. And look at how it's paid off, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm very thankful. Okay. Well, Malia, did you want to go through one of the numbers of one of your properties for us? So I can share high level the numbers of the two duplexes that we bought. Um, So at the time, uh, we bought the four doors, two duplexes for 250K. I would say at that time, they were probably valued at 300K. So we got to buy into a lot of equity. At that same time, Grace was working our VP of our local bank to say, because of that, can you allow us to put 10% down instead of 20? So there was actually Grace, her partner, and myself into the deal. We each put about 9K at the closing table into the deal. And funny story, I always laugh looking back at this because I was brand new. I don't, I didn't know what, like what we were doing fully, all this stuff. I was at the closing table with my checkbook and they were basically like, okay, we're good to go. And I like, we're getting up to walk out and I nudged Grace and I was like, when do we like pay? Like, when do we write the check? (laughs) We almost got up and left without putting the down payment down. We all started laughing, but I was like, I was so confused. I was like, at what point do we pay the money? (laughs) 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 So we bought those for 254 doors. We inherited all the tenants. Um, and we turned one into a midterm rental, which basically doubled our rent. They were all renting for about 750. The midterm rental is now 1600. Um, and I will be completely honest, Grace and her CPA does all the numbers. So I'm not exactly sure what the cash flow is on all of them, but it was definitely, um, it was good. I want to say six or 700 bucks a month, um, per unit. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. It's probably the least thorough numbers has ever been shared on the Rookie Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Was this? Um, this was the first one you bought, or the second one you bought? Even though they were both at the same time, we bought them both at the exact same time. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. <laughs> so, what would be? What is one piece of advice that you could give to somebody that is starting out? And they're a rookie investor. Maybe they have already started their personal finance journey. How do they, what's something to maybe overcome analysis paralysis or to actually take that action, take that leap, take that step? 
um, yeah. for someone who's a similar path as you, because, you know, you've been paying off debt, you've been saving money, and now to throw it into some investment that maybe you don't know a lot about yet. Um, how do you kind of overcome that? And so if someone that's listening has re- resonated with some of the things I'd say, I probably still would not be started investing in real estate if I was doing it on my own. So if you feel like you're someone that's in that analysis paralysis, you've got the good personal finance foundations, maybe you've got some money, you've got the knowledge, but you just haven't done it yet. I obviously am a huge advocate for finding a partner and maybe someone who's a couple steps ahead of you, who's will, you know, maybe a little bit more ballsy and willing to do that and kind of take you along the way or take your money and allow you to be a little bit more of a passive person. So I'm completely victim to analysis paralysis. And like I said, probably still wouldn't be starting. So for me, my biggest recommendation is if you feel like that's you, then start with a partnership deal. It can be pretty simple. It doesn't have to be so complicated. It's also kind of scary thinking about a partnership. Um, but you share the risk, you have someone else share the knowledge. And then from there on, nothing's permanent. The next deal you could do, maybe now you have that confidence to go do it on your own or whatever it may be. So I'd say consider a partnership if you're ready, but you're just like still kind of scared. You don't want to mess up. You don't want to do the wrong thing, whatever that is. I think that's a, a great piece of advice right there. All right. So we're moving to our, our rookie exam. Yes. This will be way hi- harder than the personal finance Oh, class. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. So these are the three questions we ask every single guest. And, and uh, these are the most important questions you've ever been asked in your life, Malia. So question number one, maybe you touched on this already a little bit, actually, with what you just said, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway. But what is one actionable thing Ricky should do after listening to your episode? I, if you haven't started yet, make sure you have solid personal finance foundations. If I, This might sound a little harsh, but if you can't quite manage your own money yet, it's a big leap and jump to think that somehow you're going to start managing this business or maybe even someone else's money, whatever it may be. So track your spending, figure out some goals, reverse engineer them personally if you haven't already done that yet. Love that. Okay. So the next one is, what is one tool, software, app, or system in your business that you use? Uh, I use, this may be very basic. I use this uh, scheduling app. It's called Acuity. In whatever business, if it's personal finance, maybe real estate, maybe life, it's so nice to have a calendar to send people to and say, hey, we want to connect. Just go on here instead of wasting all this time saying, when are you free? Where are you free? Does this work for you? So my calendar scheduling app has been with me from the beginning and it's the best $16 a month I spend. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I have have Calendly that does the same. And Calendly is cool because it actually has, a a Gmail integration. So like if you you know you have like a 30 minute slot or a 45 minute slot or an hour slot, you can just click the button inside of your Gmail and it'll automatically add the link for your Calendly there. So totally agree. I don't know people I don't know why it took so long for people to come up with that. Like the whole like back and forth around wouldn't you you know yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh last question on the rookie exam. Malio, where do you plan on being in five years? Mm, I will say this question always like scares me a little bit because I'm scared of commitment. (laughs) And so I'm like, I, it's just hard for me to think Grace and I, we will go on walks every day and we'll have a different grand life plan every day. I kid you not. So for me to think five years in advance, I'm like, Oh my God, I have no idea. Um, but I would like to continue building my business, little miss finance, um, and create a really sustainable business model that allows me to do it longer term. And real estate, I've bought that one property in 2021. Um, I plan to continue buying real estate. Again, I've, as I've made very clear, I'm not trying to scale quickly. So it's really more of when, you know, an opportunity arises financially, I'll make sure that that opportunity, I can pursue it. So purchasing perhaps another property, maybe two, um, and growing my financial education business to a really sustainable manner that continue long term and help a lot of people build that strong foundation yes absolutely (laughs) yeah and for those of you that are listening if you've resonated with malia's story on the whole personal finance journey obviously we have the bigger pockets money podcast with scott and mindy uh, as well as the youtube channel so be sure to check those guys out because they all they do is talk about personal finance all day every day and ash and i have both been guests on that podcast you guys can go back and listen to that and they've had a, a bunch of amazing guests come on that show as well 
All right. Well, Malia, I think you passed the exam with flying colors. We appreciate that. Um, before we get you out of here, we want to give a quick shout out to this week's Rookie Rockstar. And uh, if you want to be highlighted as Rookie Rockstar, get active in the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group where you can post your success in the uh, the Bigger Pockets forums. But this week's Rookie Rockstar is Rakia Waller-Vasquez. And she says, my goal was to get into real estate this year. I refinanced my first house for $225,000. It rents for $1,800. Purchased home number two for two hundred and one thousand, and it rents for sixteen fifty. Then purchased home number three for two hundred and eight thousand, and it rents for seventeen hundred. Uh, so she got in and, and really just kept moving. And she finished off by saying, "I'm a single mom to three kids, ages four, three, and two." Anything is possible. I hope 2023 brings everyone success. Rakia, thanks so much for sharing your story and congratulations to you. That is absolutely amazing. Um, we're, we're happy to see your success as well. Yeah, super cool. And thank you so much for sharing. Um, if you guys have a win, we would love to hear it. If you guys could leave it in the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group or send a DM to Tony or I. If you guys have a question, you can always call us at one 888 five rookie and leave us a voicemail and we may play it on the show for a guest to hear. So Malia, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you let everyone know where they can reach out to you and find out some more information about you? Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram and TikTok at Little Miss Finance. You can find me there and I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, taking the time to share your journey with everyone. And I love that we had the personal finance piece. Um, actually, before you go, I'd love to pick your brain on what are some good book recommendations? Mm. Um, I love reading personal finance books even more than real estate books sometimes. <laughs> I love books and I'm bo- I'm team books over like sometimes YouTube or podcasts when it comes to personal finance too. So I feel like a pivotal book in my life was Your Money or Your Life by um, Vicki Robinson, Joe Dominguez. That's a huge one. Um, I will also say if you want to get more into investing, one of my favorite ones is A Little Book of Common Sense Investing by John Bogle. So those are two at the very top of my list. I've read that that second one, The Little Common Sense Book on Investing. That one um, is a really great one. Uh, the one that I also add that I'm sure you've probably read too is The Simple Path to Wealth. Um, I feel like that's a, a pretty common one, but yeah, I re- really enjoy that one. Yeah, it's a great one. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Ashley at Wealth for Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. Actually, Tony just got his account uh, suspended for not yeah, being I'm, I'm, I'm back from Instagram purgatory. <laughs> he may or may not be on there if you search him. <laughs> That's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. If uh, other ones come up, they're the 20 other people trying to copy Tony because yeah. he's too cool. So make sure that it's actually at Tony J. Robinson and spelled just like that. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And we will be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own.
Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.